And the reason why it's so important for us to have this leadership team is the docs that work with me are their peers with me in the office. Our patients know that. They'll see any of the doctors in the office because one's not better than the other, right? That's the really cool part about having that leadership team together. Hello and welcome to the Remarkable CEO Podcast, a show dedicated to chiropractors who want to transform their job into a business so that they can have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life, not instead of one. With your hosts, Dr. Pete Camiolo and Dr. Stephen Franson. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. I'm Dr. Pete, and I have with me today very special guest, Dr. Mark Mount. Dr. Mark, great to be together today. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be here. Yeah, we just literally landed. Uh, <laughs> my flight was a little bit delayed coming in. I don't know about yours, but we're in Boston, Massachusetts for the remarkable practice retention immersion. We are extremely thrilled to be here. Uh, we're about to roll up our sleeves and really dig into how we can create remarkable retention in our practices. We know that this is a pain point, a real struggle for chiropractors across the board, and we've got things really dialed in. I'm really excited about our curriculum from this for this weekend, and I know we're gonna have an amazing time, but I wanna talk about you, Dr. Mark, and what you do. Dr. Mark, you're a coach with the Remarkable Practice. You've got a lot of other things also you do within <laughs> the profession to serve the profession, including running a Remarkable Practice as a CEO. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and then uh, we'll dive in. Yeah, I love it, great being here. Um, we're in beautiful Boston's in the background, my favorite cities. I wish I got to spend more time here, but yeah. uh, I'm, a, I'm an Iowa boy. And uh, when you're in Iowa and you go to chiropractic school, there's only one chiropractic school to go to, and that's Palmer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what everybody knows. So I uh, went to chiropractic school, met my awesome wife, Dr. Lynn. Uh, she's from Canada. She's actually from Newfoundland. Uh, she was a year older than I was in school. And um, uh, when we came out, she had the genius idea of actually to work with somebody first. I was all ready to go, do it myself, go in and dig in. And uh, she said, oh, I think we should work with somebody successful first. It was probably one of the best things we ever did. Uh, So for you young docs out there, uh, that's probably a good option. Work with somebody successful first, learn from them, and then to be able to do those things. But uh, we worked for a doc for a couple years, uh, opened a practice for him, and uh, was able to really learn how to run a practice, to start a practice, to launch a practice, right? For him on, on his dime, which was great. Uh, learned a lot of great things, uh, learned some things that we didn't want to do, uh, and it allowed us to then open a practice in where we are currently for, it'll be 15 years in January, uh, in a suburb of Omaha, Nebraska. I always tell people the good side of Omaha, which is the Iowa side. We've been there for 15 years. Uh, we opened that so-called, you know, uh, mom and pop shop uh, and launched uh, in Jan- January 5th of 2005. Uh, and had a, just a, just a really cool growth period in the first six months uh, to 12 months. Went from zero to 350 visits very quickly um, in an area that we weren't in. And then 18 months brought our first associate in. Wow. Um, and from there, scaled over the last uh, 15 years, we've had 13 associates. Opened a second practice, sold that to a couple of associates. Uh, and it's been real fun now because now we have three great docs that work right alongside of us. Uh, we're peers together, taking care of great patients, uh, and we've uh, added our son to the office. So uh, he joined our practice about 18 months ago. So it's been really cool when you start to talk about leadership and legacy yeah. to see your kid in your practice with you. Uh, young man, I guess I would call it at that point, married, has kids himself, but it's really, really, really cool to see what he's been able to bring to the table as well. Yeah, man. First of all, just awesome to hear your story and 
So you're married to a chiropractor. Yeah. Do you both still working together in the office? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, our daughter is 12, and my wife, the first three years in practice, she was right alongside of me, right, adjusting moms and pregnant ladies and kids, and it was so fun. Uh, but we made a decision. You know, part of the remarkable practice is understanding how to run a remarkable practice. Uh, not because we spare a remarkable life, right? right? So we wanted a remarkable life, and we wanted our wife, my wife, and I decided that we want her to be able to be there with our child. So uh, right before she had Lila, uh, we determined to bring in another associate, female associate, to really take her place. Uh, and and Lynn's still a major part of our office. Uh, I would call her at this point the integrator nice. uh, in the practice. So she's there, you know, Monday through Friday, uh, dropping my daughter off for school and picking her up, which is the best thing you can do uh, with our kids, we believe. Uh, and uh, she's there helping us, uh, helping me run that practice, major part of really that growth process. And now uh, maintaining that office to the levels we're maintaining. Yeah, I mean, just so you know, our listeners can hear me, and you'll get into this, but you have a, a booming practice. You have a big practice, successful practice. I mean, on all on all levels of success, we talk about impact, talk about income, we talk about influence, talk about sustainability, durability, right? We talk about what is it that makes a business a business. Let's talk a little bit about that journey. I mean, you kind of just told us pretty quickly. You guys grew and then brought in an associate. So we talk about the two part transformation that that we have to go through. You start in launch, right? You launch your business. You don't know what you don't know, and it's just about. Just getting things going, right? Opening your doors and it's building. It's a head down, bum up, right? You're just about mastering, mastering communication and, and team building and how to be a clinician and, you know, all the different parts of that. And, and then there comes a time where we have found, and you know this because you're a coach and you're working with doctors in, in all the seasons of the career that, you know, you make a, a pivot or not going from the build phase to a more of a scale phase, you know, that, that, that pivot. I mean, you work with doctors who are looking for associates specifically. Talk a little about, your journey on that part one transformation, which is going from, you know, we say owning a job to owning a business where the job was everything is depending on you or you and Dr. Lynn. Mm -hmm. And now you start to bring in someone else and you go into that associate, you know, you moved into the associate role. You started as one. Yep. And then you started bringing some in. Talk about that journey of launch of your, your practice to the build to then you started to scale and some of the things you learned, some of your struggles, but also some of the, you know, the big wins that you had during that time. Part of it comes to core values, right? We talk about that in the remarkable practices. Everything's based on your vision, your mission, your core values. And our one of two of our family core values is number one, freedom and family. They come first. Um, and I found that after about 18 months in practice, that freedom started to go away because I was tied to the practice. We were seeing 350, 450 visits, you know, a week in the office. My wife was going to be pregnant. Uh, and we were, as we were really, we had a great practice. We had started to hire a team, right? And you started to learn that the lumps and thumbs of hiring team and them training and so forth, which I'll talk about. We started to build and we started to put systems in place to be able to have freedom you have to have processes and procedures. Yeah. You need to have systems in place. And we talk that all the time in the remarkable practice, right? So what we did is we really started to be hardcore systems, get our manuals put together. And then in 18 months, we brought in our first associate, knowing, knowing very little about management of an associate. But I assumed to get to that next level, it was bringing on that next dot to replicate me. Yeah. And I think what happens a lot of times in, 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 in most cases is who do we want to hire? Mm. We want to hire ourselves like the mini me. Yeah. And uh, we hired a great young doc out of school and he turned out not to be a mini me, which was okay. 
it was actually a doctor who was more of a caregiver, which was awesome, right? And we really didn't realize that situation when you're in it. But now that I look back, I understood that he was that. So everything was going smooth. So I'm like, okay, being this office is going so great. Why don't we start a second office? So needless to say, what do we do? We hire another associate, open a second office, bring in the doc that started with us, bring him into a second office with no intent of, to be honest with you, to have multiple practices But it got to be the point that when things start to do well, you start to see maybe bigger and outside of the box and what you're really ready for. So my whole vision was like eight, nine practices in Omaha really take over the area. And then you get that one extra practice that's going. And I never stepped foot in that practice to adjust a single patient, but it got to be like, whoa, all of a sudden my systems and processes probably weren't as concrete as they needed to be Mm. without me being there. But the great thing is that we had a three-year buyout with him, and it worked out great. Uh, him and another associate of mine, they started to date. She moved over there, and we, they, they purchased that practice from us in three years. It was a win-win for both of us. Awesome. But at that point, what happened was I learned a lesson that said this. As I said, instead of having seven practices with seven overheads and seven teams that I didn't have really control over, what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring in her one roof and really start to duplicate what we were doing, grow the size, our actual physical size of our location to 3,000 square foot, double it, and then actually bring in chiropractors under our roof and really make it this legacy type practice that we could bring doctors in, train them. And what I learned after having three or four doctors in the office and then sprouting them into the real world to allow them to open their own practice, I said it's about time to find some people who wanted to stay with us long-term, some docs that wanted to stay with us. And that's when I think I truly became the CEO of my office. Before that, I was an owner-operator that was just good at maybe managing certain situations. Right. But I finally made the decision to then, okay, now if we have the systems in place that we can replicate doctors, all of a sudden we can bring everybody together in a team atmosphere and we can stay with each other long-term and grow together instead of having doctors that go off and do their own thing at a certain point. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting some really important points. I just want to kind of rewind a little bit just yeah. as, as we're kind of processing what you're saying. So there, there's a couple of things. When, when, we, when we take our job and we turn it into a business, what we've identified, if you look at the six sides of the Rubik's Cube of transformation, right, you, you, we've identified there's really three specific areas that you have to transform to make that pivot. Number one is systems, number two is people, and number three is training, right? So you have those three elements and you just spoke to those. So I just wanna talk to, you know, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, you're hearing Mark's story and you're like, oh, okay, cool, because I was thinking of opening seven or eight practices, or I'm thinking about opening a second practice. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it at all. It simply means, hey, when you think about that process, First, think about your own, your clinic that you currently have right now. Or maybe you have multiple clinics right now and you're thinking, man, I feel like they could be more successful. Why does this feel so heavy? Why has this been difficult? You've got to look at those three elements. That's the first thing is you've got to make sure you've got the right system in place. You had built systems probably around yourself, right? So we build the systems around the owner operator instead of building the systems around the team, even though you had an associate in at the time in your, the first practice, it wasn't really tested until it was put in, those systems were put into a new practice where you never set foot in there to adjust anybody. Then it was tested, yeah, right? Absolutely. Uh, and that's why I think one of the litmus tests is as well is if you're going to be opening multiple practices, make sure that the current practice that's running 
can run on the systems you've established and they can function without you. Right? right? That's what we say is the difference between what scalable and durable is durable says we can give more love, more serve more, make a bigger impact, make a bigger income in my absence. You were absent from it. Yeah. It ended up succeeding, but it was a painful part of your journey. And you had also clarity. What I'd rather instead of eight is the one and just do this thing bigger. Right. Right. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. So you've one had to, you got your systems exposed Two, you also knew Hey, I, I learned something about finding the right players, mm-hmm. especially early on with a bunch of the associates in the early years. Because yep. you were trying to reproduce yourself and how many docs that you speak to regularly now are thinking, hey, I need an associate. I need to find somebody who can take my place, meaning do the things that I do, meaning they need to be me. Right? Can you talk about that just briefly? Yeah. Uh, and then we'll get into the second part of the transformation. I guess I'll start with, I'll say to the person listening that it's okay to change your vision. Because I felt a little defeated when we did change our model of what we wanted, but what it turned out to do is it allowed us to really have bigger impact, and and it made me the CEO of the business I am today. Because you're exactly right. What it was was, I think, as most of us were, it was the Mark show in the office. Mm. It was the owner-operator, right? And that's not scalable. That's definitely not durable. And for surely not transferable when we talk about the three parts to the business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the scaling process. So when you discuss hiring the right people, it goes so much into that, right? But then it's the training. Yeah. And I think the six sides of the Ruby's Cube, one of the things that I've learned the most on that I've had to do, and I know I hear you and Dr. Steven talk about it on multiple podcasts now, is, yeah, we got the vision. You know, we have the team. We have all these, the, all the five put in place, but the one thing that I learned that had to be done on a regular basis was the training part. Mm-hmm. And it's really to get that process in place and the training schedule in place and to make it on just a regular rhythm and it becomes a rhythm. And I talk with doctors all the time on the phone when we're, when we're coaching and it's literally like, doc, what, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? They're usually churning their wheels of what can I do? And it's not about them, right? right? They're usually doing what they need to do. They're doing their three or four KPIs and scorecards, right? right. They're, they're churning. It's not what they can do. It's what their team can do. Right. And if they can get their team starting to really talk about the yoke, right? Yeah. If they can have the team help move them, pull them forward, it really takes them taking the time to train. Yeah. But I think that's the weakest part on all operators, right? Owner-operators. Oh, yeah. Is the is the taking the time to train your team, right? Because we're like, oh, that's taking away from patients. But no, what in essence has to happen is that you can have more impact on your patients if you took the time to train. Yeah. And that's really what you know I learned 10 years ago is that we can bring a great team together, train them up. What happens is associate-wise and CA-wise, they really start to carry the practice and the vision of the office. And that's, I think, is the, the true key to becoming, going from build to scale yeah. is that transition and learning how to lead your practice instead of pulling them along. Yeah, I mean, there's so much so much gold that you're sharing, but just to you know, shine the light on that training element, it absolutely is the key. And here's the thing, it doesn't, it doesn't go away, right? It's not like you get to a place and you're like, well, everybody's trained, we're good. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I talk about a lot with clients as well is, and I have had, you know, spoken into my life as in practice is you, you never get, you never arrive, right? It's like in health, like it's the journey, right? It's not the destination. The destination is 
you definitely reach benchmarks and hit checkpoints and you hit goals and you celebrate. But the training is, is a, it's a lifestyle. It's like the lifestyle of training, just like the lifestyle of eating healthy, exercising, getting adjusted and drinking water and sleeping. And, right. You know, right. although that, that's lifestyle. It's a style of life. And so there's a, there's a style of practice that includes training. And it's very important. What I, one of the things I love about the remarkable practice is we do give, you know, our clients resources like in the academies to be able to quote unquote outsource a lot of that to us. But it actually never doesn't take the place of your engagement and role as a business owner and your team engaging collectively together, training on, you know, the ABCs, XYZs, all the nuts and bolts of what it takes to run a remarkable practice. That is the key is that that continues in, in each season, launch, build, scale, all the way through the exit season. Training is a part of that. We never stop, right? I mean, we always use sports analogies, but it's easier. If I'm going to retire at the end of the season, it's not, and I'm a football player or a baseball player, I don't stop stretching, training, working on my craft until like the day that I stand at the podium and I say, it's official, I'm done. Oh. That's the last day that I'm now, because you get paid to train, right? They get paid to train and then they just get to play. You get paid to train, you get to play. Yes. You train, it's the same with the team. I, I always would try to say that to them, like, the training is where we, you know, we see patients between trainings. We train. And then let's go play. Let's, let's enjoy it. It's much more enjoyable if we're trained up. Absolutely. It's way more. So the second transformation you talked about, one of the of the, six, the Rubik's Cube, six sides, vision, leadership, and energy. We say those are the three sides that absolutely uh, pertain to the second transformation, which is going from being the owner-operator to becoming the CEO. And you talked about a vision. One of the things I talk about is what's called the death of a vision, which sometimes a vision has to die for it to get born again. And then when you resurrect it, what happens is you get clarity. And I think it happens through our life, right? As we go through seasons and chapters of our career, I thought this was going to happen. Didn't happen. That had to die. And then it's like, oh, I got a new idea. I got a new vision. Now let's go in that. That kind of happened to you. And that was actually maybe a catalyst for how you became a CEO and who you were now as a CEO. And I could probably interview some of your team members to find out Mm -hmm. (laughs) the details of that. But talk about the transformation for you, maybe you and Lynn together, of what it would look like to go from being the owner-operator to really being the CEO. And you really felt like, man, I'm functioning as a CEO. What was that for you? You know, and to be honest with you, you know, that's probably been in the last four or five years where I've really, truly came to the realization that I am a CEO. And that's the really cool part is it's the realization that, yeah, I'm a part of that team. And I think what happens a lot of times is still as an owner-operator, you, you don't see yourself as being the CEO of your business. You just feel like you're a part of the team doing what they're doing. Yeah. But the transformation that really took place in our office was that we took and developed what's called a leadership team. And the leadership team in our office is myself and my wife, along with our three doctors. So what we do now is Dr. Lynn and I, we are the ones that put the vision together. Um, but that vision, then everything that comes off of it goes through the leadership team. So it was cool last year at our board meeting is we literally went through core values for the office and we allowed, not only did we have part in that, we had vision in that, but the doctors and the CAs came together with our five core values of the office. So all of a sudden you're creating a place where they want to come and work. It's a family. They enjoy working there. Mm. And I think when you start to hand off the responsibilities 
that go along with being the owner operator, that's truly when it starts to become that CEO. That's truly when you can start to scale. So there are trainings that get done now without me being there or without me being a part of it. Yeah. You know, reviews are done without me having to be a part of it. The doctors are training together without me being a part of it yeah. because those systems are in place. And when that can happen, that's where you truly, number one, have freedom. But number two, you become that CEO because you're getting reports back. You're looking at your numbers, looking at your vital signs, right. which is with remarkable practice. We have vital signs. It could tell you where things are going, right. where things are trending. But I believe that's the step that truly needs to happen when you go from build to scale is you start to have the organization run with team leaders in each spot, in each yeah. place. And, you know, one of the things that we work with in the remarkable CEO modules that we work with is putting together an organizational chart. Right. Who's the visionary? Well, that's me. Right. Right yeah. now, who's that integrator and office manager? That happens to be my wife. Yeah. And then each four pillars that fall underneath that, who's in charge of that. Right. And people get confused. I, you know, I coach all, I'm coaching docs and they're like, but doc, I have four employees, but there's 150 jobs. Where do they go? Well, those four employees have to pick up those hundred. Somebody has to be responsible for them. Right. It's okay. But what's great is that as you grow, you can bring in the right people to take on the jobs and have people work inside of their genius. Yeah. That's what I love to teach is people working inside their genius because if they're working inside their genius, they love what they're doing. They're not hating coming to work right. and your turnover is less as well. So we can get people right butts in right seats doing the right job the right way. Yeah. All of a sudden what happens is we have genius occurring in each position uh, across the five or six positions in the office. That's truly leadership. Yes, it is. That's when you become a CEO. Yeah. Wow. It's just, this is gold. Um, Dr. Mark, you're an amazing leader. Um, and what I love about what you said is that you had a vision and then the vision gets translated through leadership, right? So the vision question says, what does success look like to me? And then you included your team in that. This is what's powerful. You brought your team into it and said, hey, I'm creating a leadership team. So what does success look like to us and who do we need to become individually and collectively? Absolutely. It becomes this force to be reckoned with because no longer is it dependent upon you. But now you feel that, wow, like I'm, I'm not alone in this. Because like, as a business owner, right? Because if you're a student listening to this right now, let's just say there's a chiropractic student. The first transformation you need to do is you need to learn how to be a doctor. Absolutely. Second thing, if you're going to be in business, you got to learn how to own it, be a business owner. The third transformation, you got to learn how to be a CEO. That, those are three massive like <laughs> things to become. Become a doctor. Become a business owner. Become a CEO. A lot of chiropractors get thrust into doctor and owner fast. You took a path and said, let's go model. Let's go learn from someone. Let's get some reps in. Let's model things. Let's figure out what we do like, what we don't like. You did that. Not everyone does that path. I did that path for a year and then went and opened my own. And I, I immediately hired lots of coaching because I was like, I need help. <laughs> I, I see how this it's is. crazy I, what we don't know, right? I need help. <laughs> I definitely need help. And I need to invest in help. Uh, and I, I've invested in help ever since day one. Right? So it's so important. And I, and I, But you talked about the fact that it's you're now transferring that leadership to your team. And you're seeing your team raise up and seeing them take ownership. So now you have more ownership in the office. That's where the freedom level comes in. And you talk about the last side, which is energy, which is what's important now, what's important next. You as a CEO now can actually step back, look at your practice, look at your team and decide, hey, this is where I see we are. This is where I see we're going. Let's talk about this and let's go there. 
And it's not just a dream because we say a vision without systems is a dream. A vision with systems, that's a mission. Now you actually are really on mission. Absolutely. You, you talk about scalable and durable. Yeah. We've been that way for a while, right? And to be scalable and durable is pretty awesome. Um, I know that when you're in practice, your second coming of your practice, because I know your story as well, yeah. is that all of a sudden when something happens to a family member and you have to decide like, hey, am I an owner operator? When I come back, do I need to be a CEO? Each one of us has that. And as achievers, right? Yeah. We want to achieve. And I think some people don't build big enough visions and goals because they're scared that they won't achieve them. Mm. And that was a realization that happened to me when my vision changed is like, oh my gosh, I had to be okay with my vision changing. Mm -hmm. That's just a stair step. So for those of you listening out there that maybe your vision changes, it doesn't mean that you haven't succeeded. It just means it's a different path that the good man upstairs needs us to go down, right? Right. But I'll go back to the leadership team and I think we have a true issue in chiropractic is that we have the owner operator that brings in associates, right? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times that associate is looked down upon, you know, they're not brought up in that, hey, they're a peer in my office, but they're just my associate. Yeah. I hate to hear doctors talk that way. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's so important for us to have this leadership team is the docs that work with me are their peers with me in the office. Our patients know that. They'll see any of the doctors in the office because one's not better than the other, right? That's the really cool part about having that leadership team together. But what that does is then the transferable, that third component, then the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever that looks like, what happens is that transferability is so much easier mm. because they're just as respected as me, the owner, that at this point, what I've really consciously done in the last year to two years is literally taken myself out of most of the FaceTime marketing. I've yeah. taken myself out of the video part. I've taken myself out of that because I'm busy with the remarkable practice and coaching that when those things are getting done on days that we're down, the docs that are on my leadership team, they're handling those things. Yeah. So it's not the Mark Mao show anymore, which it was probably for 10 years, unfortunately. And some of us in the profession need to be okay with that as well, right? Yeah. And to bring us alongside because that's where we're going to have a bigger impact in our community is when this team approach. Unfortunately, I talk about the hospitals and what do they have? 35 doctors under one roof treating those things. We can have that in chiropractic. As long as we see each other as peers and as we bring these young docs into our practices, you know, helping them grow, helping them do great things, that's where we're going to have a larger impact. Wouldn't you agree with me? 100%. Well, yeah. I, wanna, I just want to thank you, Mark, because you're doing big things for your community locally, but also for chiropractic, helping doctors find associates, helping doctors grow their practices and scale their practices and build remarkable practices as part of a remarkable life and not instead of one. You know, we say that we're in the business of saving lives and when business is good, everybody wins. We believe that that's true. We believe that's true for you as a listener, that you're a chiropractor, you're in the business of saving lives. And when your business is good, everyone wins. Mm -hmm. And we want that for you. We want you to be able to say, yes, I have a remarkable practice as part of a remarkable life and not instead of one. That's our goal, part of the remarkable C and the remarkable practice. And so grateful for you, Dr. Mark. Thanks for taking the time to be with me. If you're seeing this on video, you can now see the sun has set and we've got Boston traffic, uh, headed, people heading home Amen. and you can see the beautiful city behind us. But uh, Dr. Mark, thank you for meeting with me today and uh, for uh, being here. And Thanks, Dr. Really Pete. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yeah, take care, everybody. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remarkable CEO Podcast. Remember, what the world needs now is chiropractic. And what chiropractic needs now is more successful chiropractors. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, share with a friend, and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us personally, direct message us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Now go and be remarkable.